podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to a red alert June for Anfield Index. So it's a strange time, people, isn't it? The the season, well, tenth of the season's finished, but it gets busier, it gets more tense than ever on all forms of social media for Liverpool fans. So I am pleased to say to uh, to talk through the tension, hopefully provide some light relief for you all. Fingers crossed if I've got him. I've got my good mate Mark with me. Mark, how are we? I'm very well, mate. Glad to be here. Looking forward to talking through all Liverpool's uh, dealings or lack thereof. Yeah, it will be interesting. It's probably that uh, lack thereof is probably the thing that's agitating Twitter at the moment. But we will talk through many a thing, people. We'll talk through Trent, his role, how we see it for the coming season. We'll naturally talk through the transfer window, the thoughts so far. Bit of almost a, a temperature check, if you like, of where we see it right now. We'll revisit Mark's horrendous predictions and mine decent ones, you know, from see if we change them and revisit those at all. We'll even be talking the squad, numbers, ticketing, all sorts of things. And I'm sure you'd be disappointed if I didn't tell you there will also be a delightful surprise section just to try and, as normal, rattle, unhinge and dethrone Mark a little bit that way. So we'll see how that one goes as normal as well. So, Mark, let's get right into it. I mean... It's going to be an interesting one, thinking for the... It's leading to the internationals, what we're seeing at the moment, but also what we think is going to happen for the coming season. It's important to sort of separate this as well. Naturally, the the Trent chat, his role, what we've seen for England, all those things are kind of intermingled at the moment. You know, people have got their own thoughts on them. So I'll kick off with an easy question, but probably a detailed answer, understandably. Based on what you're seeing... From last season, the internationals, and your honest thoughts now, where do you see Trent playing going forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the million-dollar question, really, for Liverpool. Uh, you know, almost as important as who we sign and all these different things. I think Trent's going to answer a lot of the questions of what Liverpool look like going forward because if he continues in the role he's in, as a sort of um, right back who steps in, you know, to a sort of two-man defensive midfield and he kind of gets like almost that sort of quarterbacky role where he gets to dictate play and be involved. If he gets to do that, that's, um, you know, that's that's that kind of tells you how your midfield's going to set up from there on in. Yeah. But the big calls in the, it, especially because like you mentioned, England put him actually in midfield, not coming from right back, playing as a midfielder. And he did yeah. pretty well. I know the opponents weren't of the highest level, but he did pretty well. He certainly didn't hurt his chances. So I, I think that is, as, as I was saying, as big a 
a question as who we're going to sign because the midfield is where we're trying to sign guys and where Trent plays will kind of dictate what we're missing, what we need. Um, what you you know what um what we lack essentially because there's a lot of creativity comes if Trent steps forward maybe we don't need as much maybe it's legs after that so it is a really really hard one to to kind of pin your flag to the mast on but I think the kind of the only way you can answer this question is by saying it has to be at least a lot of the time, more advanced than we've seen him, you know, in his first four or five years for Liverpool. You can't mm. put him back in the box now. You know, what we've seen is so special that the, the, the sort of cutting edge of, of a De Bruyne or a Gerrard or one of these like absolutely top assisting midfielders, we've got that in trend. Everybody's seen it now. There's no, you couldn't just sit him back and have him as a normal right back anymore. So it really comes down to the the two options of, does he continue as a right back who steps into midfield? Now, I think that's problematic going forward. I'm hoping we're going to get onto formations and things later in the chat um, where we can kind of touch on this a little more heavily. But the, it looks like we can be stretched, you know, if we're if we're doing that and he's stepping out and leaving that gap. Can Canati cover that all season? Will we kill Canati? You know, will, will he end up just injured if he's got to do that kind of, you know, that huge amount of running to cover the space that Trent leaves? Or does Trent make the kind of long coveted change to to just be a midfielder? And if he does, again, signings. We need a right back if that's the case. You know, we don't have a, a ready-made replacement. I mean, you've got. Gomez and you know Ramsey's going for the season, so Milner has already gone. Another one of the kind of ones who would have filled in. It, it again, it will dictate what we would have to do in the market. So it's a really hard one. And if I had to pin you know myself to one of how I see it going, I think it would still be more likely as the right back stepping up. I, I still I don't see him. Yet, anyway, I mean, I, I would have been six months ago telling you he couldn't do that. Because, I mean, when do you ever see a midfielder capable of, of being an eight, you know, being an actual eight? Maybe a holding midfielder, fine, but a playmaking eight, I mean, a defensive midfielder, that is just unheard of. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm sure you'll agree with this. And actually, I'd love to hear your take on the whole thing, but I'm sure you'll agree with me that he has shown us at very least it, it has to be looked at. Yeah, it's, it's a really tough one. And in the bizarrest way, because I, I kind of flipped my mind over it and looked at it back and forth, the honest thing that I keep coming back to is it, you can make an argument for both sides. If, if anyone who won't accept that, you know, Trent playing at right back, Trent in midfield, isn't really, I don't think, thinking about it fully. You can make a genuine argument for both things. And at the same time, I'm just... I don't know it's a concern, that's the wrong phrase, but I'm not coming up with the perfect answer because the way I'm looking at it right now, the key thing I'm thinking is, listen, we've seen these riches with Trent in midfield. We cannot go back to being poor. Like you said, the lid's come off the box. He's been incredible. We've yeah. seen that. We have to have more of that. Simple as that. You know, it's that yeah. important to the side. The other thing I'm thinking is, and again, obviously, the, the types of conversation are going to be private between Jurgen Klopp and, and Trent that way. If you look back at last season as a body of evidence, i got to be honest, mate, I think he just got to the point at one stage, he looked pissed off at right back. I can't yeah. really think of another way of putting it. Yeah. And 
when he went into midfield, and, and obviously, not that it was his first game ever, don't get me wrong, but that Arsenal game and after the shove of Xhaka, he just kind of came to life. And not just came to life, he looked like he was genuinely enjoying his football. Also, the biggest thing I'd underline, playing with a swagger and an arrogance, which was yeah. incredible to see. So I'm, I'm looking at those two points and I'm thinking... God, that, that's the way. You've got to go for midfield. But then, like you said, you, you can't just ignore it. We played the hybrid, and yes, it wielded certain results, attacking, prowess, all those things, not for dispute. Like you said, we're going to put Canate in an early grave if this carries on type of thing. And it stretches us so much. And the other big thing I keep coming back to on the other side of the column, if we're deadly honest, we played a lot of weaker opposition, if that makes sense, later on yeah, in the season. We did, yeah. And, and we, all, we almost didn't beat some of them, if we're honest. You know, yeah. it, it had some of those sort of 1-0 only just feels about them, you know, as, as the last eight went in. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. And do I want to see that formation get stretched against City, you know, that type of thing? And and I get their one-off games. I, I really get it, you know, and that. And there's that. But then I'm being honest now. Some of the other alternative is, and we'll come on to formations, like you said, slip back to 4-3-3. How does Trent receive that? How does he play? You know, the teams are so used to him almost not being him, you know, not being at right back in possession. I don't think it just seamlessly floats in that regard, which it's it's not a perfect solution, but my gut is telling me, like you said, buy a top class right back or buy the best right back, you know, or a fullback. However, Jurgen sees it for this, but next season has got to be about Trent in midfield pulling the strings, you know, with that swagger, that playmaking role, I, I can't see an argument against it. Even though I know there's holes in the overall picture, I can't argue against it, mate. That's honestly what I'm coming to at the moment, being honest. Yeah, it's, there's there's so much around all of it that, um, you you know, we could literally spend the whole pod talking about Trent. I mean, would Trent, what does Trent think? You know, if him and Jürgen do sit then, you know, is Trent, act, is he going to accept it? Is he going to be a right back again, if that's what's asked of him, you know, I, I maybe this season he would, maybe short term. I doubt you could you could draw Trent's career for him out, and he would just see it as only a right back now. Yeah, like you were saying with the way he's sort of carrying himself, you know, the way he's puffing his chest out, and it's not just like the swagger; it's the determination. It's kind of the bits that I mean, it's hard to describe what went wrong for him in the start of the season, whether it was just. I, I, mean, I really don't know, you know, why he was so sort of slovenly looking, why he just didn't seem to have the concentration. But whatever 
happened in the change in that Arsenal game, all of that was gone. He, he was he looked like a Gerard sort of guy, you know, like a guy that just was going to grab the game. He was quick into the tackles. He was driving forward. He was really, really positive with his passing. He, he just, I can't imagine him internally wanting to go back, you know, and just being a right back anymore. And I can actually only picture him struggling more as, you know, as a conventional right back now, now that he knows, you know, the alternative. I mean, he's, he's still pretty young to think that there would be all those years of just doing that when he could be, a, you know, a, a match winning centre midfielder for us. I just don't see that. Now, how Jürgen frames that to him is, you know, that's one of Jürgen's gifts, isn't it? The way he is yeah. with people. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, Trent as a scouser can be one round in maybe in the short term, maybe more like what you're suggesting, maybe slips back there sometimes. You know, maybe that's how you win him round. There will be games, you know, your, your whoever at home, you know, your bottom sort of six, seven teams at home will let you go there, will let you do whatever you want. And maybe, maybe in the bigger ones, the city one, like you said, we're just going to need a little bit more control from you. We're going to need a little bit more discipline, kind of thing. Maybe that's how you win them round. I'm not sure. Yeah, I really don't know. And even I know there's been talk of Southgate giving him the turn, the way he, he's played, but it, it was quite clear he'd given him the instructions. You know, like go and express yourself, go and you know do what you do, type of thing. And you know, everything just seemed happier there in that environment as well. And Maybe the strangest thing is the one question I keep coming back to in my head again and again. If someone asked me, who do I think can be Liverpool's best midfielder this summer or this season, I should say even, Trent, I really do. I really think he could be the difference maker in there. Yeah, so I, I, Honestly, I wouldn't argue with that at all. If you were asking me who I would pin my hopes on from midfield this season, it would be Trent. And that's pretty much regardless of it. If any of the names who are currently linked come in, it would still be Trent. I still think he's the... I think he's that special. I think he's that he's that capable of unlocking things. It isn't, you know, we've supported Liverpool a long time. It's not every day you see someone who can do that. Just yeah. The rate, I mean, even for England, you know, some of the, the passes for Saka, it's not just the way we play. It's Trent himself. That's what he does. That's what he brings. It's 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 the highest level of technical ability what Trent brings. It really is. Yeah, it, like you said, we could almost we made this the pod, but there's just so many things that I'm you know swaying towards that argument. I really am, and probably this this is the next question because I did want to split it into two parts. I think it's so important because this might have a bearing on it as well. Possibly, I don't know, but we've we've been a kind of four three three for so long, almost like Novocaine, isn't it? Just over and over again. Yeah, it's that effective. It's working. You know what? what some would argue stubbornness, some would argue effective, depending which, you know, which camp you're in, but that's been the way. Until that recent change to that, as people call it, the hybrid, the 3-2-2-3, however you want to describe it. What honest formation, or maybe even formations, do you honestly see Klopp using next season? How do you think he's going to play it? So it, it pretty much comes back to what you were alluding to earlier. I, I basically see it that so, it, I mean, if you look at this season, right, as a as a whole and what went wrong, a, a lot went wrong, right? We know that. There were injuries. The midfield wasn't good. Yeah. Hopefully, personnel-wise, we're going to sort that. But if you just take it down to its kind of simplest terms, we dropped 24 points against the bottom half teams this season. Now, you plainly just can't win a league title by doing that alone. That's You've already blown it at that. 
We dropped 31 points against teams outside of the top six. Now, I think formation has a lot to do with that. In particular, Trent, kind of, you know, drawing these two points together. Usually when these lower half teams come to Anfield, you know, the problem isn't isn't the quality of the team. It's breaking down a team that doesn't want to be broken down. You know, a team that's going to sit deep and just ultimately be compact and hard to beat. No, I think this new Trent hybrid role is absolutely ideal for that. I really do. Because it gives them so much to think about. It means that the guys up top can make those runs and expect to get the ball. It, it just it adds a whole new dimension to our attack, in particular against those teams that don't want to come out and play us. So the way I see it is that we'll play that formation with the hybrid role, the, the 4-2-2, uh, the 3-2-2. I think we'll do that against all of the softer oppositions in the league. I think you'll see a lot of that next year. Probably more often than not, I think that's the way we'll play. But I do think away from home in the tough grounds and against probably all of the top six, maybe even the top eight, we'll revert back to the 4-3-3. And I expect because of the way we're we're rebuilding the midfield, you know, let's say it's a Turam or a Gravenberch or whoever, I expect we're going to be able to deploy ourselves in a more leggy style, you know, kind of reverting back to the way we, we did it maybe just two or three years ago when it was a kind of Wanyaldum, Henderson, Fabinho midfield. That that sort of outrun them and let the front three yeah. do the business. You know, I expect to see that against the teams who want to play us, the cities, the arsenals, all those sort of guys. So to round that up, essentially, I, I think it'll be four, three, three in the tough ones. And we'll see the hybrid role in most of the other games. What, what do you, how do you see it? Yeah. Speakly enough, that's pretty much how I see it. I mean, the contrast is, Klopp tends to be, I say, a man of routine. You know, they almost, they work on the formation before the season and that's what goes with the season. We've seen that, haven't we? 4-3-3, even going back to, to 4-2-3-1 in his early years. He's pretty rigid with how yeah. he works. The contrast to that, which people will argue is last season, but I think that the context is everything, as you said. I mean, it was a disaster last season, like, let's not mince words. So at one stage, we were just trying every formation, 4-3-3 three, three didn't work because we didn't have the legs. Mm-hmm. Then we switched. I mean, we even had a box, didn't we? A 4-4-2. Four, four, yeah, you know, absolutely. 4-4-2 four, four, with the lines against City. I remember when Harvey Elliott was almost right on James Milner's toes. You know, we, we tried that. We've gone into this hybrid. So last season was just, Christ, let's try anything to try and make anything work situation. So I, I'm not discounting it, but, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about that in full context. And like you said, the hybrid was where we got the most joy, mainly around Trent, the variations. It seemed to suit so many, as we know, like Curtis Jones, it seemed to work for that type of player. You know, absolutely. Canate was asked a lot of, yes, but it, it seemed to suit him. In essence, there was a lot more winners than there were losers in the hybrid. So I do think we're going to see that. I genuinely think, like you said, you're going to see the hybrid against the weaker teams because, I mean, you, you outlined those points there that we dropped. We need to start being flat track bullies again. It's what yeah. the top top teams do. You blow away the weaker opposition. We really it's still classic, isn't it? Beat the shite, win the league. That's it. Simple yeah. as that. If you do that, you, even without the results against the top six, you're there or thereabouts. Yeah, absolutely. And even if we revert, which I suspect we will do, to four three three against, like, say the the better teams. You know, whenever that may be. 
that doesn't always necessarily mean that Trent will be the right back. I don't think necessarily. I think it will the majority of the time. But it, it's been interesting for me because it's a difficult switch for a player, isn't it? To play that hybrid, have that freedom one week, say on the Saturday or Sunday. And then on the next game, right, we need to switch back to a rigid 4-3-3. Yeah, it's I mean, quite a change for Trent. It, it'll test the coaches, won't it? That, that, that's one of the things. I mean, you, you can look at... I mean, the only other team that kind of you, you can relate back to is City. City do something kind of similar to that, you know? It was Cancelo before, and John Stones has done a bit of it this season with the defender stepping into midfield and then not doing as much of that, you know, against the bigger sides. For, for exactly the reasons we highlighted, you know, you're a bit more exposed if one of the defenders is higher up the pitch, you know, in particular yeah. teams like Liverpool like to pick you off, you know, try and nick it from you and damage you higher up the field kind of thing, you know, where, where maybe Stones wouldn't have time to to get back in and you'd be three defenders instead of four. So it's it, it's maybe a test of Linders and, and Klopp rather than the players, you know, can you coach them in a way that they're comfy switching, you know, three weeks in a row playing the hybrid and then City are coming at town and now I want to see that 4-3-3, I want to see the press, you know, I want to see the legs, I want to see all of those things that we were famous for in the, you know, in the more successful part of the Klopp era. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And probably like you said, because we really could make this all night as well. The other thing that I think, just as a final point, will be so dependent on it is a player that we mentioned very briefly there, Canate. If yeah. Trent plays that hybrid, the demands on Ibu are absolutely massive. And don't be wrong, he's you know he's a brilliant defender. I love him as a player, but the demands on him are absolutely huge. His injury record isn't the best. If he was out for a period, would you be confident that Gomez and Matic could do that type of job? Yeah, I mean, I certainly wouldn't be confident in Matip. He doesn't have the legs for it. And obviously, Gomez's form has been, you know, miles below the peak Gomez that we got four or five years ago. Um, but at least he is leggy. At least he's got the pace. Like you were saying before, it kind of suits Kanati, this role, you know, because he's really quick. He, he reads it kind of well, you know, so he, covering ground and space is in his wheelhouse sort of thing. Um it wouldn't be ideal to have either of those other guys in there. But, I mean, if you're going to do this, this hybrid role, not just Kanate, you have to think about Trent too. What do we do if he doesn't play? If he's injured, yeah. you, know, a, 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 you know, six weeks out, we've got seven games. If we've set a whole system up around one guy being the, you know, the creative force, what, what do we do then? You know, who else is suited to that? It's, it's a pretty specific and kind of skill set to... To have, but I, I don't, you know, nobody, um, nobody jumps out as a, a what, you know, someone that can f- fill those boots. Indeed, yeah, and it, it will be interesting. Listen, it's a, this is why Jurgen Klopp and Linders and etc. paid the big bucks, aren't they? It's a job that's going to have to be sorted and worked out on the training ground and on the tactics board type of thing. But yeah. it will be fascinating to see and. Yeah, because because we, we will move on for this. Because like I say, we could just talk about this all day. But it will also be interesting to see as everyone comes back for pre-season, I mean, all the senior stars, not the, the kids that usually open up, if we get any inkling around this. But yeah, fascinating one to keep an eye on for that and the start of the season. And people are going to want, want us to talk about this. I have no doubts. It's all anyone is asking about at the moment, the transfer window. Transfers, the lack of maybe. Well, I've got a few thoughts on that myself. So we'll, we'll work through a few bits here, Mark, step by step. I mean, it's important to say 
at this stage, there's not many actual signings been made. And Liverpool have got one in the door. You know, Alexis McAllister is through the door at the AXA. He is a Liverpool player. That's a great start, isn't it? Can't argue with that. A great start. Yeah, I mean, of course it is. It's a great start. It's a player in the position we needed most of the quality that we were looking for at a price range. None of us expected to be quite as low. It's uh, it's a tremendous start. However, it was weeks ago now, I think, we're beyond the start point. I think we've reached the the kind of middle bit now as we as we enter July. I think uh, the start was good, and now it's stalling, if you will. Um, I think every team has different needs and things. You know, we're looking for a pretty big rebuild here, so I think we had our expectations set pretty high as fans, and and maybe you know maybe just one inside the first four weeks wasn't how we saw it going. This, you know, this under twenty one tournament is undoubtedly playing a part in that. But I think uh, I've I've shifted myself from the great start part to the getting frustrated team. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. You know, I, I, I accept that I'm I'm one of them. You know, this is why I really like you and I chat about transfers a lot and what's happening. What do we think? What do we expect? And we usually find ourselves uh, in different corners because I'm really impatient. I always fall into the you know, get it done, why not now? You know, what are they doing? They don't care, they're not spending sort of circle. You're a little calmer than that. And uh, yeah, I, I guess there are two sides to this and uh, I just happen to be on the, the impatient side. Which, to, to be fair, as, as much as, you know, for those of us who can be patient, we still want it done now. I understand that. Everyone wants it done now. And we know this is such a pivotal summer against the backdrop of a, a team that's really struggled, mixed in with the ownership situation and, and all the you know lack of trust, I think it's fair to say, how everything sits at the moment. It's, it's a pretty heady cocktail. I get that and I understand the frustration. On the other side, and I know we're kind of moving into almost like a temperature check, how we're seeing things, but if you're honest, people right now, Chelsea haven't made a sign-in. I know, that, that's the mad thing, isn't it? Like Because they're all linked with big money signings, we all just kind of are putting them in a bracket out with us, which isn't right. We have signed someone, and a really good one. Like It, it, it is mad that we're, we're over here, you know, in like Arsenal, for example, I know Havertz or whatever, but they, their, their big midfield signings haven't come off yet. No, none of them. Yeah. Um, and... Yet one of ours already has, and I think we beat a few to that. If uh, you know, if you if you saw the details of that, I think our early work won us the day ultimately in that. I'm sure the likes of United and maybe even City, you know, with Gundogan going, maybe even Chelsea who are looking for midfielders. I'm sure they all had a sniff there or thereabouts. But we had done yeah. the work in due course, and you know, and he kind of made his mind up by that stage, if you will, and they were ultimately too late. And and also, you know. I don't want to just skip over McAllister because it is unfair to do, and we haven't we haven't really given any uh, headway to, to to kind of just what he is and what he brings to us, and I think he deserves a bit of that. You know, it shouldn't just be like on to the next one. Who are we getting? What can we do? I think McAllister genuinely is a brilliant, like brilliant signing for us. I yeah. think if you were in that, I mean, I know Jones did well in the end of the season, but I kind of see him in that left of the three if we're playing. The four three three, and maybe if you're looking at the two two in the midfield of the sort of hybrid system, the forward left corner of that, and uh, 
it's a role we really, really needed proper quality. And it maybe only leaves us one more midfield position where we definitely need like quality now, if you will, especially with kind of Thiago's injuries, the right side, essentially, the eight on the other side. Um, so it's it's a massive thing to have got done early. It really is. You shouldn't undersell that. It's brilliant. Great that they did that early work for a player that I honestly cannot wait to see in, in a Liverpool shirt. Yeah, it is. it's so weird, isn't it, how it's being almost dismissed and the frustrations just crept out, especially if you take one glance at social media. It's like you said, it's, I mean, this is a World Cup winner. He was outstanding. We know he's done it in the Premier League as well. Not just, yeah. you know, random abroad, can he do it? You know, he's been outstanding in the Premier League against a team that he's almost helped elevate as well, so to speak, at the same Absolutely. time. I mean, I, I honestly think it's a, for the fee... It's a sensational buy. Like you said, he, he can also play a couple of roles. He really could, as we've seen for Brighton. You know, they utilise him horses for courses style because he's that good. The one thing I like about McAllister, and this isn't meant to sound derogatory, it's actually a compliment. I don't think he's almost outstanding at any one thing. Yeah. He's just excellent at a lot of things, which is really hard to find in a midfielder nowadays. You know, who's Absolutely, technically yeah. good can do those things, got the legs. You know, usually you have to trade one or, you know, have a dominant factor. He he is that important. And the biggest thing I can say about him, the simplest thing in context, that's a player that goes straight in our first 11. Don't mix it at all. Straight in our first 11 and improves it straight away. For 35 million, can go straight into Liverpool's first 11. That's quality. I think um, you know it's, it's it's a little bit kind of lazy to to make this connection, but I'm I'm going to do it anyway. I think when we lost Juan Yaldum, you know, he was one that kind of split the fan base of like kind of what does he bring? Is he is he good enough to be our starting midfielder? You know, he isn't getting enough goals. He doesn't do enough of this. He doesn't do enough of that. What's he great at? And I can see similar things might get said about McAllister at times when he plays for us, but I think. What we lost in Wanyaldum is is kind of goes hand in hand with with our demise last season. You know, I think that's exactly where we went wrong. Those basics of covering the distances, making the right passes, making good yeah. decisions. You know, all of those things. And I think McAllister's going to come in and bring all of what Wanyaldum brought and a little bit more. You know, I think he's he's a step up from that, and we've sorely sorely lacked it. He's got a great fitness record I think he just ticks every single box of what we were looking for in that position and for me price quality age the trajectory he's on he he looks to be still getting better it's a 10 out of 10 signing that one for me and I I don't sit you know I'm not I'm not one of the guys who does that I don't jump the gun on signings very often I'm actually usually pretty skeptical I think that is a great start to our window yeah, and just, I'm kind of stealing it for something I saw on Twitter the other day, but it was so true when I read it. It made me think that if McAllister had joined City, Chelsea or United, we'd have all gone, shit, they've got a good player there. Even City, yeah. you know, you'd have seen it as a strength reinforcement. So, Especially for that fee, we'd be saying, how the, how the fuck have they done that? 35 million for a World Cup winning Premier League midfielder. How have they done that? And what were we doing? What were we doing? Why didn't we get that? Yeah, yeah. There'd have been meltdowns, wouldn't there? The FSG out would have been trending, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, as much as we're talking about everything, context is always key, people. So we need to keep that in mind. But it is important to talk about the transfer window. And 
I'll kind of package this marker as one and we'll kind of break it down bit by bit because the fabled list, the names tend to keep being the same. And obviously there's talk about, do we like them? Are they the target? Are they the option? You know, how it works. But if we're honest at the moment, you know, let's break it down. The key names that keep coming up are Turan at Nice, seems to be the most likely. Gravenberch won't go away. Kone, a Borussia Mönchengladbach, keeps being mentioned as an alternative, but the name won't go away. And the other one we're really hearing for midfield, Gabri Vega, the Celta, almost an attacking midfielder boy. Now, all of these pretty much, the under-21 championships, as you said, the effect on that. But from those names that you're hearing, and I, what you like might not be what you think, shall we say. So which of those, from what you're hearing, what you're seeing at the moment, do you think, I believe they're the most likely as it stands? Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, so this summer has been different to any summer I can ever remember for Liverpool because you always get a lot of names. You know, that's not uncommon that there's four or five guys that you're hearing could be going to Liverpool. Now, in the past, I, I think that's been a lot of guesswork where this summer, I think Liverpool are playing it differently. I think they're yeah. genuinely after all of these guys. I think they're interested in all of them. None of them are false links. I think they are all being looked at. I think they're all being talked to critically. I think Liverpool are sizing all of those signings up and they're doing it in a kind of big jigsaw puzzle kind of way of, you know, what is the best combination of things that we can do here? And, you know, some of the links are stronger than others. And I think that is because there are priorities above, you know, of one player over another. But the the way I basically think that they're looking at this, and, you know, this this is just completely my take on it. It's There's no, like, inside information. I have no idea what they're doing, as nobody really does, if we're honest. Mm. I think they're sizing up. So, they've for me, they've got, if you, if you consider the midfield to be three positions in the 4-4-3, the way we've been playing it, we're being, we've already got the one that will likely play on the left side. So there's only two left, the defensive midfielder and the right eight, if you will. And we're being linked to a lot of guys who can do both of those. Yeah. So I'm breaking it down in my mind into two categories. I think we're after two more. And I think the most important one or the one that we seem to be prioritizing is the right eight. So in that, I think they're looking at Vega, Turam, and Gravenberch as the options for that position. And then I think you've got 
Lavia and Kone, who are kind of guys who can do the defensive one and maybe the eight as well if they have to. Certainly, Kone, you know, is is has done both. I don't think he's necessarily a defensive midfielder or an eight. I think he's somewhere in between. You know, he's maybe a guy who would who would prefer to play like the the double pivot where he's duties at both ends kind of thing. Um, so I think they're looking at it that way. There's two positions here that we are looking for. And, it, you know, by all accounts, Turam seems to be the priority. So it seems like they're they're picking that right eight as the guy they're going to get first. By that stage, you've got your left side of midfielder, your right side of midfielder, you've got um, new guys in that are likely, certainly McAllister will probably play in most games. And then if someone like Haturam, a younger lad, comes in, he'll probably play most games, but maybe not all games. And then I think it comes down to finances after that. I think it comes down to can they get the third midfielder? Because in my view, if they get the two, if Turam comes in, we've got McAllister and Turam, I think they'll switch to look at it, the left-sided centre-back at that stage. Because if we're going to play the hybrid role at that stage with who we'd have in, I think the position we would be lacking most from the 11 would be that the, the third defender on the left, essentially. Because I think we saw with Robertson, that isn't really going to be a role that is suited to him, not to his skill set. You know, Robertson's engine and getting up and down and his crossing, these are the kind of things that have made him such a, such a success at us. So I think the centre-back will become the priority at that stage. And then maybe it's, you know, what's left for the, the third midfielder, if you will. How, um, how do you see it? I mean, I, I know you, 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 you're, kind of, you're becoming notorious as the transfer guy. Um, but I think you would even concede nobody really knows what, exactly what the discussion is behind yeah. those doors. I'd, I'd agree. I think when we all started the summer, the, the mass suspicion across the fan base was, well, we'll get a six because Fabinho fell off a cliff type of thing last season. So we're going to get a six. That's the yeah. starting point. And to, to be honest, there's no one as, a, as an out and out six. It seems to be being targeted. The, the only one that could maybe fall into that category is Lavia, you know, who, who was going in and out a little bit. But again, I'm not really convinced with, with Lavia. I did, I did mention him there. I know there's been links again today. But every top Premier League club seems to want that boy because of his ceiling. And the one thing with, that's been clear throughout the summer is, like you said, we are shopping around, we're getting quotes for everyone. We will not get into a bidding war and we need to have the player almost say to us, I want to come. That's quite clear. You know, they're not going to get into a bidding war, just dip the toe in randomly. Those the, are the, the two thing is kind of that in a nutshell, isn't it? You know, we were heavily linked to that. As soon as it became a bidding war and paying over the odds, we literally just dropped it and moved on to the next thing. And yeah. I, I think you're spot on. I think that is, that's why we're shopping around, isn't it? We're, we're making sure we get the absolute maximum for what budget we do. You know, you can argue about the budget, but making sure we get the maximum for what we do have. I agree. It's almost like, in a bizarre way, it's almost like when we're getting these quotes, that, that's the almost magic formula based on obviously potential ability, all those things. But price, as you keep hearing them words, price, availability, no bidding more, does the player want it? Those are, you know, four prime factors. So the way... Yeah, I'll say this. The way I see it at the moment, McAllister is the priority. He's the left side, ultimately. Yes, he can play other roles, but he's the left side. And maybe controversial, I also think he's the Thiago replacement. When Thiago goes in a year, 
that's the left side taken care of, if that makes sense. That was maybe the biggest worry that way. The other thing I think, and, and this is why I think T- um, Turam is the second priority, on that right side, and I don't want to turn this into a Hendo debate by any means, but legs, physicality, the ability to carry the ball. Turam has got that in space. I mean, he's physically a behemoth, isn't he? He's massive. But his yeah. biggest strength, as we see, is carrying the ball with legs and carrying the ball at pace. You know, just almost a, yeah, advancing your team up the field like 20 yards at times or breaking quickly. That's why I think they're really looking at him as the second one. Then actually, exactly as you see it, there's, no one's going to like to hear this. It's then a case, a little bit of coin count at that stage. Right. We've got two in. How much have we spent? How much is left? Which we'll come on to that later. But I think, like you said then, the pivot to a central defender and that left centre-back becomes, or left-sided centre-back becomes absolutely crucial for us. It really does. And then, I'm not saying the men a lot, but it's like one of those. <laughs> where, what's that movie? Dude, where's my car? And then, yeah. and then that's <laughs> But it's it's all like a knock-on effect, realistically. I think that that's when you then bean counting comes in. And also, Liverpool will have an idea of, A, what's left to apply, B, what they want. So that's how I see the chain of events, personally, anyway. Yeah, and the thing we didn't really touch on there is what we what we can um, recoup in sales. You know, that, that that is obviously going to be a part of the budget, you know, and we, we potentially have a few who can go and bring in decent money. And for me, that is what will affect. I, I definitely think, I know we'll, we'll kind of get into the putting our, uh, you know, our money behind what we, uh, what we think we'll do and won't do. But the, the bare minimum surely is that we, we get two midfielders at a center back, you know, that I, I would be shocked if we don't see that, you know, by the first game of the season, absolutely shocked. Yeah, and well, we'll go on to what we think we'd like to happen and what will happen later. Yeah, I'm, I'm all bit an in, but that that is pretty much a, it's a temperature check. It is for me. And listen, if you're listening, we're honest about this. I get frustration. I get patience. Everyone is entitled to their opinion based on, you know, the ownership, what's happened, the budget talk, all those types of things. But it's going to be a fascinating summer whatever you say. Now, this is bit I'm looking forward to. I really am, ladies and gents. Let's just cue this up nicely. Mark, if I say to you, £90 million and Mason Mount, what am I talking about? <laughs> Sounds like a prediction of a fool. Yeah, we... Your word's not mine, but we did make our predictions earlier in the season, so... As general, we talked about the net spend. So Mark went 90 million. I went 105. First signing, Mark went Mason Mount, which to, I'll give you a Drew. It, it looked quite lightly at the time. I thought mine was under threat. However, the point went in the column to me, Alexis McAllister. We had similar with the amount of recruits, although I did have an extra midfielder, which maybe looks ambitious now, shall we say, realistically. Although I did have Graven Birch on my list of potential players. And spookily, not one of us had Turam at all, didn't we? Not saying it's broken from nowhere, Turam, that would be wrong to say. But, you know, it's, it's a name that's come more recently to the top of the list, if, if that's the right phrase. I mean, looking at it now, you can't change them because I've already given you stick or twist. But 
<laughs> How are you thinking your predictions are going to fare, being honest, for the rest of this summer? Uh, I, I, I mean, the, the budget's the big one for me in, in kind of what, where Liverpool are going, where the, where the ambition is. If, if I end up wrong on that, and it's beyond what I said, it'll be the happiest I've ever been to be wrong, that that kind of ambition is being shown, finally. Um, as far as the players are concerned, you know, it's it's obviously really difficult. Mount looked absolutely nailed on. I would I, I would have uh, I would have lost a fortune, you know, if I put proper money on that because I really really fancied Mason Mount to come to us. I really did. Um, McAllister, you know, I think that one was kind of likely. I'm glad that one's happened. I wanted Ugarte, but didn't get him. Um, it's it's even now knowing what we know, it's still difficult to. You know, to to even Turam, you know, which probably looks as likely or less likely than Mount did. Mm. I still am not that confident saying he will definitely come, even though I think he will, kind of thing, you know. So, I mean, that that's the game and predicted, isn't it? And listen, I want this. I want this known. Dave has his uh, Dave has his little contact scene in there. This isn't a fair fight. I'm doing this just off my own bat. Well, he's uh, he's getting whispers. It's 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 me against the world here, and uh, he might be one 0 up, but uh, the race isn't over. I still still fancy myself puncher's chance. Well, there you go, a puncher's chance versus contacts and intelligence. We know where that was going to go, don't we, ladies and gents? In that regard, <laughs> so, do, do you know what though? It is so true in a in a good way, and I do mean this in a good way. So we think of over recent summers, bloody. I'm going to try. I, I didn't want to say this, but I have to. But the Jude saga, the two are many saga type of thing. It was kind of all or nothing. There's no point in crowing at this stage because we could, like you said, be like, well, Turam's nailed on. And then we do Red Alert in July and it's like, well, that Turam saga turned into a nightmare, didn't it? And what we're talking about, someone else completely. There's, There's nothing guaranteed. However, probably similar to you, I do think Turam will be the second. I just get the feeling, again, could be wrong, after the Euro 21s, whenever France go out, you know, even if they make it all the way, I do think that one gets wrapped up. And then, like you said, I do think the focus shifts to a defender. I really do. And then the name that keeps coming up, he's twerking hard. The style, what Neil Jones said even the other day about Liverpool will look for a centre-half. It doesn't have to be a starter straight away. It can be one that, you know, can go in, develop, yeah, build. In. I listened to that pod um, that you did with uh, with Neil Jones, and I really found that bit quite interesting. The he doesn't have to be a starter because I think we're all thinking that whoever comes in is a starter, you know, and takes that yeah. to play the hybrid role. He's just in as a matter of fact. That's our left sided guy, and you know, Van der Ven's the guy obviously that's being mentioned all over the place, and he looks like a guy who could step in and play. But I find that very interesting. It kind of because you've seen like Van der Berg's been mentioned, um, Sepp Van der Berg's brother, as, as an option. And it, it opens up a whole new kind of realm of possibilities if it isn't actually a guy who has to come in and play, just a guy who might play sometimes kind of thing. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. 
As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, it, it really is. This, this is the most tenuous link possible as well. But if you think about the names that are engaged, Toram, yes, his famous dad is his agent or his advisor, but they have engaged the services of Team Raiola. We know already Graven Birch is a member of Team Raiola and also Mickey Van de Ven is now a part of Team Raiola as well. Again, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean we're just going to take the whole stable, so to speak, but I just can't get away from thinking it'll be Mickey van der Ven. Do you know what? I'm going to, I'll nail my colours to the mast on that one, mate. I suspect our two next signings, which is now going to be wildly wrong, but do you know what? I've got more right than you, so I'll take it. I'm going to go with Toram and then van der Ven. I do think they'll be our... Next few signings. Yeah. Put any names I, to it I, I, I sadly around? agree with you. I don't. I don't want to back you because you know it means I can't. Uh, I can't level up if uh, if they're both right. I'll only be scoring the same as you. But I agree. I think they will be our next two signings. If you know, with a gun to my head, there's not even anyone who gets that close to either of them as an option. Certainly, as a centre back, he's the only. I know there have been other names mentioned, but he's the only one that keeps coming up. That keeps being credible. In midfield, there's a few, but for for, the, for that uh, left side of the three, he is the name that keeps coming up. And I think he really does fit the profile. He's fast. He's kind of he's he's leggy. He's uh, decent on the ball. You know, I think that I think he fits the kind of can grow into it role very very well. Yeah, I I, I do as well. Just the, the although his his aerial win rate isn't the best, but there's things like you said he can grow into. The way he plays, speed and everything could be wildly wrong, but I just can't move away from it. So, yeah, both are next on the chopping block there. And just before we get into a few things like squad number changes, which is important to talk about, and before we make Mark squeal with a couple of surprise sections, which I love when we reduce his answers and the context he can give, do want to think about the window and where we are now. Because we are doing June's pod, and obviously... The end of July will hopefully look completely different, but I'm saying that. So I'm going to ask you a two-part question here, and I'm really going to fixate on the, the two parts. It's what do we want to see by the end of July? And I'm talking about it in two parts, Mark. So what's the minimum you think we need to see by the end of July? And what would be the ideal we'd have in place by the end of July? Because we love to stay to the minimum with FSG. So What's your gut telling you on those two things? Yeah, so, I mean, I guess this this kind of finishes off the transfer talk quite nicely because I, I think that context is needed. What do we need? You know, what is the, the minimum and the ideal? And I think 
the minimum we need to see by the end of July, bearing in mind that preseason is well underway by that stage, you know, we're, we're now looking down a couple of weeks to the season kicking off. I think we need to have the, the other major midfield signing in, one of them, and we need to have that left-sided centre-back done by the end of July. There's, there's still a lot of water to go under the bridge between now and the end of July. I would be bitterly disappointed if we don't have two of those two positions filled. And then the other part you asked is the ideally. So honestly, I, I don't have that much more in, in the wish department. I think it would just be that other midfield position, the guy who can play six and maybe fill in, you know, uh, the other the other midfield positions. So like a, a Kony, if you will, you know, if you had Van de Ven, Turam and Kony, all signed by the end of July, I would be absolutely over the moon with that. That would be would be at sort of nine out of ten for the whole window stuff there for me. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to get away from it. I, I agree. There has to be the second midfielder has to be in. There's no two ways about it. We know it's our problem area. Has to be in for me as well. Actually, I would say the uh, the minimum. Because if we've not got that centre-half in, if we only had two midfielders in by the end of July, for all we've heard about, budget, prices, you know, alarm bells are going off, mad style. So I think we've got to get, as you said, the other midfielder, the right side, and the left-sided centre-back. It might not be who, but, you know, that's what it's being suggested and understandably why. That's the minimum. The ideal is, two things for me, actually. Ideally, the third midfielder for obvious reasons you know you kind of alluded to there yeah ideally though I'd love the fullback in I'd love a fullback in as well mate I know that's she will say that's being greedy and it's unrealistic and I, listen you can level those charges with me with FSG I, you know I couldn't deny that at all but in I, a right, right fullback are you I I do think so I just think and, and this again it's my opinion it's my gut if you bring in a decent enough right-sided fullback, there are games you can just let Trent off the leash and we're not worried about it in a 4-3-3, whatever you want to call it, we are letting Trent play as it were. So I don't think it will happen. I would bet zero cash on it, don't get me wrong. But that would be the ideal for me. I've got to be completely honest on that. So do you see that as Trent then starting as a midfielder outright? <sighs> Oh, do you know what? It's going to sound like a bloody Tory politician, this. Yes and no. It means... <laughs> I didn't, do you know what? It's fair because I sound like you now. I've just realised this. This is horrific. But yes, because it then gives you the option. So you can deploy it when you want to. You know, just almost like a freedom. You can expect it if you want to. No, because that means something definitive in the way we try and switch formations. And if you make Trent a midfielder, quote unquote, you'd kind of lose a bit of flexibility or you have a few concerns at the moment around right back. So we'll have to see. I Just being clear on that, I do not think it will happen for one second, but ideally I would love the third midfielder and a right back. But what I expect, the second midfielder and a left side centre back. That's what it's I think. It's interesting to think how you how you would sell like. the the full back role to to the incoming guy. You know, whoever that would be. 
because you've got this superstar player at right back, you know, who more than likely is going to play right back sometimes, you know, how, how do you, so are you looking for like a young, a younger right back, a kind of prospect guy? Yeah. Yeah. A bit mid-ish maybe even, like, I'm not going to start throwing out names, but a young prospect possibly, or even, even a, not a veteran, that'd be wrong to say, but someone, you know, almost like a, a simicast on the right, if that makes sense, who's happy to accept that rotation at the start, building, but is of a certain level. And, you know, finding that is a different thing I totally appreciate. And as I'm saying this, I honestly, you know, I can't stress this enough. I do not believe it will happen, but that would be my ideal situation. And in the interest of time, I am going to move you along the second mark and I'm going to come to your first surprise section Oh of the evening. So are you, are you ready for the sting? Are you ready for the burn? As I'll ever be. The question is, no context given, just a name. We both keep saying, which I knew we would, a third midfielder. As the gut tells you right now, who is that third midfielder? If you had to bet right this second. So who I think it will be, not who I want it to be. Who you think it will be. Just a name, no context, which will be killing him. We can hear the awkwardness oh. seeping through, but yeah. just a name. Lavia. Wow, you got Lavia. Do you know what? Another thing we'll finally get to, to bet against each other again. Graven Birch for me. Lavia versus Graven Birch. There you go for the third midfield spot. Three kind of number eight guys. I'd be I'd be surprised. Well. One of us will be right. One of us will... Well, actually, we could both be wrong because we normally are. It'll be someone... <laughs> saying that as James Ward-Prowse walks through the building of Axel, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. But Lavia versus Gravenberch for the third space. Fascinating. And just a, a couple of short ones now, just to finish off. Squad number change is interesting. Luis Diaz takes the number seven shirt, which, you know, Great to see, some will argue, alongside Alexis taking the number 10. You know, prime famous numbers, completely right. You know, we shouldn't just gloss over these big, big numbers in Liverpool's history. And there's a couple still spare, isn't there? The number eight and the number nine, as it were, you know, huge search. We we know what they carry. There's no two ways about it. Eight or nine, though, let's focus on those to start with. Keep it short. Who does your gut tell you takes the eight and the nine shirt at Liverpool? I'll, I'll start with the nine because it's the it's the quicker, easier one to get out of the way. So it's between two, isn't it? You know, Gakpo and Nunes. There's been a lot of rumours actually this week. I don't know if you've been on that, but uh, Nunes is rumoured to be being announced as the number nine. Yeah. He's more the one of the two who would be desperate to get it. I don't know what it is about his kind of personality, but I just get that feel. I think he would love to be the number nine and kind of take that on. If I was picking one of the two, it it would definitely be him. I think it's likely that Nunes does get the number nine shirt. But how how do you see the nine? I I think it's done. Honestly, like you said, I've heard the rumours. In a strange way, and I shouldn't really be saying this by any means, I'd almost be astonished if it isn't Nunes. When he first came, you look at the number he took, 27, as in a two and a seven, you know, he's made to be the number nine. I would be astonished if it's not him. I mean that seriously. 
Yeah, I, I, I pretty much agree with you. I also think if you, you know, if you want to read into it a little more, I think he could do with that that backing. I think he could do with like that little, you know, we still see you as the guy. We still see you as, you know, the 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 guy we thought we were signing. You know, don't think that we've given up on you just because Dakpo's come in and you know you've had less minutes or whatever. You're young, we still see it. Don't worry about it. Here's the big number. Go and do it, sort of thing. And then uh so then I guess that takes us on to the other big number. And I I think I think it's really interesting the number eight because they brought in Kaita and gave him that, you know, it was a huge yeah. kind of same sort of thing, big bit of backing, you know, big bit of sort of we see you as the next guy, the next one that's gonna carry the midfield. I wonder, are they willing to make that punt again? Are they willing to do that? You know, Turam, if he comes in, are they willing to give that number eight to him right away and just kind of go and claim it, go and prove it kind of thing? Or do they think it's kind of an earn it setup? Is it like a Turam comes in on a different number and eight stays blank this season? And we see if he can live up to the jersey, if you will, and next year we kind of revisit it. And i got a couple, actually, that I can throw back at you, which I know that they are, one in particular, massive outsiders, but I still think it's a little bit of fun to mention it. The first one is Curtis Jones. You could give Curtis Jones the eight. If you, if you, if you want to back it, if you want to kind of say, right, okay, you've shown us a bit, we think you could be the guy for us, you could give Curtis Jones the number eight. And then here's one that's really, really left field. Trent could get the eight. Frank could, uh, you know, if you if you're going to have him as your creative midfielder, you could you you could back him with that and see how he fancies Gerard's old number. I bet he would. I did think about this, and I, I did sort of look at the the existing squad as as much as you know. There's every, listen, there's every possibility that a new signing, you know, will want my age. I don't understand that. You know, don't get me wrong, but if I'm focused on the squad, Curtis would not surprise me because he's got kind of that confidence. Let's say that that swagger, you know, Gerard is his hero. We said that it would not surprise me if he's asked for it at all. Trent, I did think about the thing that steers me away from Trent is he's so associated with that number sixty six. He's even got his new initiative, you know, hasn't he for for players that are sort of leaving the game, a charity yeah. one as well. But I think it, I think it's called like the sixty six foundation or something like that. I should know that really, but I just can't see it. I am actually. I'm going to stick my prediction on it, which is probably, again, going to be completely wrong, and you'll probably laugh at this. I think Gappo takes eight. I can't get it out of my mind. I think Gappo yeah, takes eight. I hadn't eight. actually, he wasn't really on my radar, but now that you say it, I don't think that's that outrageous. We saw him play the kind of eight role, if you will, uh, you know, in the tail end of the, or the 10, however, I don't know how you'd describe the position he played in at the end of the season, but he definitely looks like he might have a few more games kind of a little deeper than than we saw him. So I don't think that's outrageous at all. And it would also alleviate a little bit of the pressure if Darwin is given the nine, you know, that it's kind of a we rate you both. I don't, you know, don't think we're picking him. Here's the eight, here's the nine kind of thing. I'm going to go the other way and I'm going to back that nobody gets the eight. I think the eight lies empty this season. Wow. Oof. Lavia plays Gravenberch and Cody Gappo plays a ghost for the number eight shirt. <laughs> there you go. This will be fascinating to see. And the final section, so we'll end it on a, a surprise section, which we love to, just because it makes Mark awkward. 
he can't really give the context he's looking for. So same as last time, Mark, I will let you explain one position in this. Remember that you get one explanation. It has to be as short as possible. The rest is just names. Okay. Okay. So everyone's talking about the first 11 and all that. And this might be interesting for, for people's thinking. If, well, I say if, when Liverpool opened their Europa League campaign and their Europa League group, what will be the starting 11? Or the bulk, I'll give you the starting 11 if you're still umming and ahhing. So I'll start. I'll try, I don't know why, maybe the sun's out. I'm trying to be nice to you because normally I just like seeing you <laughs> suffer. But I'll be nice to you on this one, the way I see it for the, the Europa team. I think Kelleher will be in goal. I think Gomez will naturally play. I think Van de Ven or the other centre-back will be part of it. Simicast will play as well. And Connor Bradley. That's how I see sort of the, the back five. I'm keeping it in 4-3-3, bearing in mind it could be a hybrid. I think Harvey Elliott will be a starter. I think that's important to say. Maybe crazy, I also, also believe that Darwin Nunes will be a starter if I had to name it right now. Again, might seem crazy or people shout at this, but Elliot Nunes, Ben Doak. This is going to sound crazy, I know as well, but I think Ben Doak will start on the, the right-hand side. I, I know people talk about Elliot, but you know if I'm playing a 4-3-3, Elliot on the right side of midfield, Doak there as well. The other forward I'm just going to leave off because it's not going to be Salah, and you never know who's injured with our forwards and, you know, rotation at the time. But I just get the feeling Darwin Nunes is going to be sort of the, the spearhead, as it were. Now, this will send people a mark and shouting, agreeing, whatever. But crazily, Mark, my final thing that I would be leaning towards, I think Jordan Henderson will captain that team as well. I don't disagree. Now, I don't disagree. The rest, it, it depends, okay, because like we said, we're not going to give too much amplification on that. The rest, for my one point, it depends more for the other positions. Like I said, Salah's not going to be there, but it will depend on rotation, who's fit, if that makes sense, rather than being nailed on. But that is how I see the bulk of our Europa side in that first game. How do you see it? I see it really similar. I, I see it really, really similar. I think back four-wise, I don't think I disagree with any. The only change I maybe would make is that you would see Gomez at right back and you would see Matip and Van de Ven or whoever comes in as the other centre-back with Simakas as the left-back. I think midfield... I think Harvey Elliott is very likely to play. I'm sure you'll see Bajatic in a lot of these games. I think there's always a bit of experience. So I do agree Henderson will probably captain that side. Because I think Henderson, if we get the three midfielders, is going to find himself limited in the in the in the Premier League. Um front three is interesting, Darwin. Yeah. Again, like you could spend a long time talking about Darwin and what we think and what we hope. I definitely do think he's going to have to win his plays back and the Europa League is probably the place to do that. So I do agree Darwin will play. 
I think Jota will get a lot of minutes in uh, in the Europa. I think he'll get a lot of goals in the Europa as well. I think that he, those kind of things are where Jota gets his numbers. You know, he just seems to tot up these goals. Um, I think the guys you won't see are the older ones. You know, I think you can kind of put like Van Dyke, Thiago, maybe even Fabinho and Salah as the as the guys you just probably won't see at all till we're in the, the hard knockout stages. Then I don't really think we're going to have, you know, a set 11. It's going to be kind of circumstantial from that bit on. But I think all of those names are likely to play. And the one I really like that you said, which I would also add in, is Ben Doak. I want to see Ben Doak play some of those games. League Cup in Europa, I want to see some more of Ben Doak. I really liked what we got from Ben Doak in his very few minutes last season. Yeah, indeed. I just because a lot of people have been talking about who's starting, who's there, but maybe people by the uh, guess who style process of elimination as you were knocking him down, that will also give you who we suspect will start the Premier League season. However, however, as it's the only end, the end of June, it makes sense to hold on to that till the end of July, doesn't it? And yeah. On that note, Mark, we are pretty much at the end of June's discussions. Being honest, and I'll leave kind of the, the final question to sort of tete about how are you feeling about July right now? Thinking it's going to be a good month or worried? No, I'm pretty optimistic, if I'm honest. Uh, we, like, like we touched on, you know, it's, it's about signings in July predominantly. And I do expect that we're going to get those two done. I think when the... Under-21 tournament ends, when's that? About the 8th of July, somewhere around there. Yeah. Once, once that ends, I think you'll see movement. It's kind of in line with the profile of player we're looking for, that a lot of them are in that tournament. Um, I don't think we're going to get any of the midfielders done until that tournament's over now. I would predict that. Once that's over, we get the midfielder in. We've then got a lot of the month left to try and get the centre-back in. I expect we'll see both those done. And then the kind of exciting bit of the month is something you said really early on in the pod, which is well, when the friendlies start kicking off, we'll get a bit of an idea of what Klopp's looking at, what he's thinking for the season to come. Formation-wise, what will he do with Trent? You know, what 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 is Klopp's view of the season. Maybe when he gets the guys in, he just goes straight back to the 4-3-3, is tried and tested, or maybe he is kind of won over by what he saw on that tail end of the season. I'm really looking forward to pre-season, more so than in a normal year. You know, pre-season games can be kind of nothing. You know, they can be uh, they can be lacking in, in all sorts of quality and integrity. Yeah. But this year, I find myself really, really looking forward to them more to, to kind of answer those questions. What, what what does Klopp see happening? What formation are we going to play? Is Trent going to be forward? Where does McAllister play? Where does the next midfielder play? Is the new left-sided centre-back going to be rated? Is he going to play? Is he going to be just an option? You know, there's there's going to be loads to, to touch on come the end of July. Yeah, I agree. So many questions will be answered. So many predictions likely to be wrong. We'll have to be chalked off type of thing. <laughs> As, as you said, the biggest thing is Jurgen Klopp talked bullishly about this preseason at the end of the, you know, a, a horrific campaign just gone. So it's right that we should be excited. It's also right that people should be either expectant, that's understandable, 
or worried. That's also understandable, you know, based on the history. There really is so many emotions on a temperature check going on at the moment, but we will have to wait and see what July brings. However, ladies and gents, that is another red alert done for June. Mark, a pleasure as always, mate. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it, Dave. As always, we uh, will carry on the journey. Good stuff. And more humiliations of that gentleman going forward. So, ladies and gents, <laughs> that is us done until July. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.